Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill, Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz and here with Lauren Johnson, FNP. And we're going to be talking about pregnancy this week. And this is a podcast that we can really take so many different ways. And so we thought that we would just kind of outline some of the most common questions people have uh, and just have a general, uh, a genuine general conversation on the topic of pregnancy. So uh, let's jump right in. Lauren, where do you want to start? I have some notes. Is there anything that you're uh, called to start with or should I just start going down the list? Well, I think let's talk about the basics first. I think that people will jump to what should I be taking or um, what should I be doing? What should I be buying? But also, you know, the, the, the most important thing that you can think about is the state of your nervous system and like the foods that you're putting in your body and just really thinking about nourishment, not like nourishing your body, nourish, nourishing your adrenals, um, and really just being mindful of your daily rhythms that it's a, I mean, it's a mostly free thing. Obviously food is not free, definitely not today. Um, but it is, it is something that it is, we take it for granted, all these little things that, that we say to do, but they're super important. Um, if you are waking up and immediately, and I I'm guilty of this too, and immediately grabbing your phone and, and that just gets you into the state of alert, that can really affect the way the rest of the day goes. And so maybe say, okay, I'm going to be super mindful of this and just start preparing my body to be able to rest more and to nourish it well. Yeah, I think that that's a good um, starting place for this because some of the stuff we're going to talk about later in this podcast actually are prevented by what you do prior to getting pregnant. Yeah. And so as Lauren said, the basics need to be in place, right? You want good sunshine. You want good water. You want good mental space. You want to be able to disconnect. You want to be able to recharge because you're about to go through growing another human and that takes a lot of energy. And so, uh, you know, let's jump into, um, what we can do uh, also prior to getting pregnant on what will help in most case scenarios. And in my opinion, in my experience is people who clean out their gut, clean out the infections, eat proper foods, usually conceive way sooner and have the most successful pregnancies. Yeah. And it's something that I didn't know about before my two pregnancies and my girls, I did not know that there was all of these issues. I knew I had some issues present because I had just gotten off birth control a few months before that. And I I was having some issues, but like, it wasn't anything major and I, and it was fine. I, everything was fine. And it's like, I wish I would have known then what I know now. And it doesn't mean it doesn't take away from the beautiful life that was created. It just means that if we can be proactive, we should. Um, and so if I have another baby, I will be proactive about this and be, you know, get testing, either doing going to find a, a muscle tester closer to close to you that you trust, doing a bioresonance scan. Um sometimes blood work can be helpful. I get asked that a lot, like, is there any blood work that I should do? And it's like not not always, because sometimes a lot of times blood work doesn't show what you need it to show. I do think there's a place for like hair tissue mineral analysis, because I think mineral balancing is super important. And yep. we're going to talk about that in a little bit with um, like restless leg and adrenals um, and how important that is. But 
that's something that, you know, if you can get tested, um, I know Dr. Charlie, you have a company that you use for. Yeah. So um, just like you were saying to find a practitioner in your area, who's doing muscle testing, frequency medicine, but you know, it's, it's such a slim population of practitioners who are really doing that. And so the company that I like is called the quantum collective. They're out of Utah and they will actually use uh, fingernail saliva and hair through their scans to see what your priorities are from a structural chemical and emotional uh, perspectives. And so I found that to be a really good uh, bridging that gap of when you can't find someone local to you uh, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And they, uh, if you use the code Dr. Charlie, they actually will do a specific scan that will scan you for all the products that you, Lauren and I have talked about on this podcast, a lot of Revita, a lot of Supreme and, and some other stuff. Um, if you're part of my membership, all the stuff I talk about in there is logged into the scan. So um, I found it to be really helpful and people have been really happy with that. So that's another option you can do. Yeah. So pre-pregnancy or pre-attempting um, to get pregnant, that would be a good idea to think about because we know that Lyme is transferred, can be transferred in, in utero, not saying it always is, but it can be. Yeah. Um, and we know that if we clean up the gut, your immune system is going to be much more able to, to handle things when you're pregnant and beyond. And it's, you're just going to, it's going to be a lot easier for you and the baby. And so that's one thing is so pre-pregnancy focus on, you know, finding a practitioner and, or getting tested, um, and doing, you know, some type of cleanse, at least being aware of your health and your health status and trying to like take note, maybe keep a journal and see how you feel day to day. Um, that can be, sometimes it's just being more self-aware of what's going on. So say oh, yeah. you're going to get tested or do a cleanse. Well, at least, you know, be more mindful of, your health status day to day. And that way can I help you identify some issues and things that you want to work on? Um, the next thing, you know, I would say the biggest thing is would be food. Uh, you really, it, it, it matters like early on, it, it really matters. Now I know that nausea is a big part of a lot of women not eating like healthy per se during the beginning of pregnancy. I get that. Um, and it is really hard. But if you nourish well with high quality food that doesn't send blood sugar on a roller coaster, then you will actually might notice that it is better. The, the crazy thing is like the nutritional requirements for mom during the first stages of pregnancy are, you really don't have an increased nutritional requirement in the first trimester. So like, even if you're just eating like good protein and fat and whole food carbohydrates, doing whatever you can now. Clearly, you're not going to be able to be perfect about it because if you're nauseous, carbohydrates are really what you want. But <laughs> think about what type of carbohydrates. So maybe try to find some better ones that yeah. won't and then pair it with a protein and a fat, at least like a little bit, even if it's, um, you know, a nut butter or um, if it's like some type of raw yogurt or something like that, that, you know. I, that I think would be helpful to pair it with, or like a slab of butter on a piece of toast, whatever you can do to balance that blood sugar is a good thing. Your nutritional requirements in the second trimester do go up, um, about 70 to 300. And then third trimester, they really, they go up a little bit more. And then breastfeeding is really where you're going to be yeah. ramping up that nutrition so that you are nourished. I think that's important to point out because so many think, oh, immediately I'm eating for two. 
And I get that. I've been there. But like at the same time, when you go up like that and and you just start eating, 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 your blood sugar is going to go on a big roller coaster. And that can contribute to how you feel day to day. Yeah. And that that blood sugar roller coaster can very well contribute to that morning sickness in that first trimester. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people do experience that. You know, I, I know that there in pregnancy can be very intense uh, food aversions. Yes. You know, like, and, and I would say that uh, meat, for whatever reason, seems it to be is. one of the big ones for people. Which, I could eat chicken my whole first pregnancy. Right. And, and meat happens to be the biggest blood sugar stabilizer that I have seen clinically. So it can be kind of tough. Um, some remedies for morning sickness and, and why we get it is one, I find that it's a lot of times gallbladder. And gallbladder and the stomach together because it is a two lane highway and they both work off of each other. And so some of the steps that you can do is one, a digestive enzyme with your meals to see if that helps. Uh, Vita gastro digest. I also add in standard process phosphood, which is just liquid phosphorus and phosphorus also helps create bile. And so that will also help the gallbladder. Uh, the phosphorus is what I also use for gallstones, uh, but I do, it's probably, I'd have to say that and enzymes are tied for the number one thing that I try right away. And then the last one is uh, activated B6. So P5P, which I feel like many people have heard. Uh, I like the peer encapsulations P5P50. I really enjoy that one. And, and those are probably my top three for morning sickness. Now, I'm not going to say that it cures all morning sickness. I would say that it's the best shot we have and it can help a lot of people. But there's some times where no matter what you try, uh, morning sickness is just gnarly. And so uh, this would be the best chance we have. Lauren, do you have any other uh, magic bullets for morning sickness? The blood sugar being the biggest one uh, in the foods that and I know that seems like such a, like going back to that, um, and repeating it again, but it is like one of the biggest things and insomnia too. That's a big factor in insomnia too. Totally. And so definitely being mindful of that. Um, the B6, um, hydration and just general, like hydrating. Well, I do think that, um, we tend to, um, say, oh, you need to have all of these, like all of this water. And I think water is super important, but I also think it needs to be like mineral rich water um, yeah. because minerals are super important. And so that is something that I would consider adding electrolytes and different things like that um, to your water to help with stabilize that. Um, some good liver support. Would milk thistle be helpful for? Uh, it could. Um I usually for, for pregnancy, my, I try to do more, um, vitamins and minerals for liver more than herbs. Okay. That, that's my, my go-tos and, and, uh, we'll get into them, but I really like molybdenum and selenium, uh, which is Vervita circuitonic is the one that I, that I like. Uh, but one thing before we move on from the blood sugar, uh, fluctuations is, having like a jerky stick, like I like paleo Valley jerky sticks Yeah, that really helped, um, my wife in our, in her second pregnancy, first pregnancy, she had zero. And then in the second pregnancy, um, she had like a week or maybe two weeks of, um, 
not even morning sickness. It was sickness at night. And what relieved it was the P5P and eating um, jerky sticks Yeah, to keep that blood sugar stable. So she didn't let her blood sugar drop too low. It's so helpful. And like boiled eggs. I always try to keep like boiled eggs on hand, things like that to really just, it's just good protein and eggs are a good source of choline, um, which is super, super important. So I, I would say eggs and any type of, of meat would be very helpful if you can stomach it and and jerky and dried meat are typically going to be better tolerated by women who are nauseous and have food aversions. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So blood sugar, minerals, nourish, rest, um, gentle movement. I don't really, pregnancy is not a time to like pick up a new exercise and just get going. (laughs) Um, I do think, you know, I do think walking or, and stretching is very helpful and important, but if you have not been like a super exerciser before, I wouldn't start it during pregnancy. Now, if you were, if you do like to exercise, it's probably fine for you to continue the same thing, but just be mindful of your body and know that if you are getting super tired after that exercise, it probably isn't the best time for you to be doing that. Um, yeah, I think, like, you said, like you said, walking is a great one. Mm-hmm. I feel like people don't stretch enough. Stretching is a lost art. Yeah. Um, and then the further you get along in pregnancy, the more you got to be very cautious of your pelvic floor. So sitting on bikes or if you horse ride and stuff could be a little too much for for the body in that stage, obviously the further along you get, uh, some people like doing Pilates, you know, some stuff like that, that's, uh, low force. And even though I I did Pilates and I was, I couldn't walk right for like a week, you know, it it can be intense, honestly, for someone, you know, if you don't use those muscles, um, I have a whole new respect for Pilates, but it, it could go really well in pregnancy if you were used to Pilates. Um, and then gentle, we did, um, my wife and I did yoga, with our, our second, we did, um, yoga every Thursday and even all the way until like a week or two before she gave birth. Yeah. And so we did very gentle yoga. It was me, her, and a bunch of elderly women in the room, which was always a great time. Uh, <laughs> um, so there's stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so let, let's move along. So we got, uh, Oh, I forgot to mention one more thing. There's a homeopathic remedy that is helpful for morning sickness and it's sepia. That is the one that is most often the the case to be helpful. And ginger tea. Um, ginger, I, know, sure. I know that ginger is like, oh, everyone says that. But try ginger tea and just sipping on it. Um, that could be really helpful. Anything to calm the nervous system as well. Um, again, I go back to like chamomile tea. Um, and then dandelion root tea is also great for the liver. So that would be a, a helpful thing as well. Wonder if peppermint would be good. I've never really used it for morning sickness, but I forgot about ginger is a great call. I would be comfortable using peppermint tea, and I, I even would use the feel comfortable using the oil like diluted. Um, like early in pregnancy, you're talking about because I know it later they they think that peppermint is like an inducer of labor. Well, they also want you to avoid peppermint later because it can dry up milk supply, um, mm. and so it would it could impact it coming in. Right. Um, but I, I mean, diluted on the, on the chest, I would book comfortable or doing like a digestive oil. Um, that can be really helpful as long as it's diluted. Well, I would, I would totally feel comfortable with that. Um, that can help in the, mo- in the moment. Some people use, have you ever used DGL? Yeah. Licorice. Yeah. I, I've used it not in that, uh, scenario, but I've used it for like leaky gut and you know, all that type of yeah. stuff. Some people use it. I'm not positive. It 
if it's used during pregnancy, but I know some people use it for reflux and nausea. Um, but yeah, I think ginger, um, I think doing, you know, sniffing sometimes, um, there's a, there's a few oils. One is aroma ease and then spearmint and, or peppermint, just mm-hmm. putting it under your nose. I have these like aroma rings that go in the nose, um, and they kind of just go underneath and those can be helpful for nausea too. They're helpful for motion sickness, um, but it could be helpful for morning sickness. And so that, those are just good good things to try. It's not something that will, like Dr. Charlie was saying, it's not something that's going to fix it 100%. It probably will still be there. Um, but it is to, you know, the point is to make it livable and yeah, to make ab- you still productive during the day. Absolutely. Um, all right. So as we're going along, so we're in first trimester you know, I think it's really important that people understand that toxins, like you said, cross the placenta. And you talked about Lyme, which can do that. Mycotoxins from mold can do that. Chemicals, pesticides, all of that can cross. And there's some people who think it doesn't, but I, I've seen it time and time again, uh, clinically when I'm testing and we're working on the baby that, um, that they're getting bombarded with toxins. And so one of the best ways to combat that is to maximize your glutathione. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked a bunch of times about, do you use glutathione? Do you use glutathione producers? All that type of stuff. And and one of the main times that I will use pure glutathione is during pregnancy. And that is because it is a potent barrier protector, it protects your brain barrier, blood brain barrier, protects your lung barrier, protects your gut barrier, and it can help protect the placenta. And so I like ACG glutathione from results RNA. It's a spray. It's very easy. It's got some peppermint oil in there, so it doesn't taste too bad. And it has some other things in there that helps your body produce its own glutathione. So that's what I like to do, but it's also important as we talked about to maximize your methylation which we'll, uh, we can talk about if you want to talk about it now or later when we talk about the prenatals, but the prenatal that I use is Regenerazyme Heart and that helps methylation as well. Yeah, yeah. Methylation uh, is a super important thing. I know a lot of debate is back and forth in the dental community about its impact on tongue ties and yep. other oral restrictions. I think it is present that if you have, if you are methylating well, you're going to be less likely to have a tongue tie. I also think that fascia work is a big part of preventing tongue ties. Um, so I just think it holds on to the body and the, the, the impression, the, the body of the mom's body greatly impacts the baby's body. Um, and so. I mean, I'm, but I'm not saying like if your baby's born with a tie, you did something wrong because I mean, my kids, have ties all over. Like, so it's not that it's just saying that this is something that we all have to think about and be mindful of. It is more present in today's world. Um, and we have to be mindful of the things that can impact methylation and toxins are a big thing or that deplete, that deplete glutathione. Um, yeah. one thing that is often offered to moms in every trimester of pregnancy are vaccines and that mm-hmm. will directly impact methylation. In fact, I mean, the, the flu shot, the aluminum, we're going into flu shot season, the aluminum and flu shots and that how, how impactful that is on mom and baby and how much of a difference that can make. Um, yeah, I, I really, really encourage you to look at, um, the ingredients and listen to our other, we did a, we did, we talked about, flu, uh, yeah, we, we talked flu shots. 
Yeah. Um, I don't remember which episode that was, um, but that is something that that can make a big difference. And the Tdap is another one that is often talked about in like the second trimester. And um, again, goes back to um, another level of toxin exposure. And um, yeah, it's not just that they're trying to induce a, a, a reaction from your immune system, which may not be a good thing because we're stimulating the immune system, which could induce autoimmunity. Yeah. But it's also the preservatives and the excipients used that can be um, very harmful. And you folks who are going to be pregnant or are pregnant right now, get ready for them to tell you to get a COVID vaccine now too during pregnancy. You know, that's coming. I That really does surprise me that they haven't done away with that recommendation. I know. I mean, the United Kingdom did like a yep. long time ago. They did. They did. It's our country, they like to stick to their guns. They really, they, they, they have a good poker face. Um, the government does and they just, they're not giving it away. Um, and you're just going, we're just going to find out much later in a hundred years, what, what's really going on. That's right. So we're no vax gang over here. Um, we like to, uh, have you produce glutathione properly. And this is one of the times I would say this. And when we swim in chlorine pools are probably the two most times that I'll recommend taking direct glutathione. Uh, but as you're going along, say you're in second trimester, you get in a third yeah. trimester, there's other few things that people will experience. And we're going to talk about those now. I mean, we made a list of preeclampsia, restless legs, anemia, and uh, gestational, gestational diabetes. Now, preeclampsia and, the, and gestational diabetes are what we referenced earlier when we're saying that taking care of your body prior prevents these things from happening. They preeclampsia is high blood pressure. Gestational diabetes is exactly as it sounds, diabetes. And those come from a body that is just not functioning properly. The detox pathways are off. There's toxins in the body and it's pretty common. I, I would say that it's, it's more common now than it has been, which tells you that it is a toxin pattern. What's your thoughts on those two, Lauren? Uh, I think we are a chronically stressed, nutrient and mineral depleted people that are constantly staring at screens and that has vastly impacted our cortisol. And mm-hmm. I 100% think toxins are playing a role and definitely heavy metals. And I mean, like, that's in the literature, like not necessarily about pregnancy, about but but about how heart disease and heavy metals are a big factor and there's aluminum in the skies, like, and they're in the vaccines and all the things. And so everyone has a certain heavy, heavy metal burden at this point. And I'm not saying to go do some heavy metal detox, please don't do that. Um, don't do the, the sprays, the, that they'll get you. They'll say it's pregnancy safe. Um, I would caution to really think about that. But I am saying this is where minerals really play a role in balancing and and increasing your ability to actually eliminate metals. Um, If you are balanced well, then you should be able to, your body should be able to get rid of the things that it is exposed to. And so that is something that, um, yeah. And so preeclampsia, high blood pressure. Yeah. The main things that I will try to use for this in pregnancy is molybdenum and selenium. Ray talked about that with Circutonic. Now for gestational diabetes, 
just so happens to be that my favorite blood sugar vitamin is also my favorite prenatal regenerative heart. Because back in the day, before people were talking about, you know, pancreas, liver and all that, the heart was the main regulator of blood sugar. And so when you support your heart, you actually support blood sugar as well. And one thing that I will add to that when you're pregnant is black cumin oil from Bravita. And you can take it orally. It's extremely safe. And that will also help with what Lauren also want to talk about, which is anemia in pregnancy. And Lauren, you were saying that that's uh, something that's quite common, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, and especially if you find yourself with restless leg can be a sign of anemia. It can also be a sign of, uh, you know, adrenals or magnesium deficiency, but if you're not sleeping well, if you have a lot of insomnia, it, it could be that you're a little bit anemic and it's something that they really do want to push iron. Um, and I'm not saying to not do it, but I am saying to think about it because iron does cause a lot of constipation. And if you are already constipated, then or and it can cause reflux. Well, if you're already having a lot of you know GI issues that may contribute to it worsening, so it would be good to go on and be proactive about that. And of course, if if you're not eating meat, try to incorporate it where you can, because that of course we do know that iron is you know one of the best sources of it, and so yep. eating meat is super important. And when they're going to give you iron infusions, things like that. That's a lot of iron at once. So when we talk like black cumin oil has a little bit of iron in it, but it's you know, no more iron than if you're going to eat a piece of red meat. So it's more from nature, more natural. Um, on top of that, let's talk about uh, restless leg syndrome. And so I find, and, and you agree, you would agree is that it's a lot of times it's an adrenal pattern with you burning through your minerals. Just so happens that regenerative heart also has some adrenal tissue in there. Yeah. Um, but you could add more minerals on top of that it does have some minerals it doesn't have all minerals, uh, but you could add some more on top of that. And, uh, like magnesium is a big one, yeah. uh, potassium for some folks, but I would say magnesium. And another one I find is B2 to help with restless legs. Yeah. yeah. B vitamin. Um, that makes me think potassium is a big factor in high blood pressure. I yeah. I think regulating that could be very helpful and so many are depleted. And so potassium is is a big one. I like the pickleball um electrolytes and it it has stevia and whatever and I know people don't like that, but I I don't mind that cuz it gets you those those that those electrolytes that you do so badly need. And of course, having things like bananas and tomatoes and um uh there's other things. There's other sources of potassium. Potatoes. And, Potatoes, potatoes, that's a great source. And that's something that most women, no matter if they're nauseous or not, should be able to tolerate. And so uh, potassium is super important for the regulation of um, of blood pressure as well. And that pickleball stuff tastes phenomenal. Yeah, it really does. That that orange flavor is money. Have you had the blue raspberry? I did. I loved it. It was, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's a good replacement for kids Gatorade too, if they are wanting to go. Totally. They have My, My daughter loves it. Oh, so good. Loves it. All right. So, so here's, uh, let's lead into this. So we talked prenatal, uh, regenerative heart is my favorite. Another one that tests sometimes is seeking health. I don't know if you've used seeking yeah, health. So at all. I was going to bring that up. So I, I know a lot of women just, 
they still want to take a regular prenatal. And I get that. I, they, you know, their OBGYN or whoever they're seeing really is pushing it. And that's what they feel most comfortable with. And so I would recommend either needed or seeking help. And I do like both. Both have a powder that if you're not tolerating swallowing capsules, because both are like eight capsules. And I know, and you can break that up throughout the day, but still mm. a lot of pregnant women just can't do it. Um, and then I think the Seeking Health also has a chewable. And so that can be really helpful. And I know that some women are saying like, they don't want to take anything. Like you can get it all through food. We are just in a, a chronically depleted state. You do need some supplementation, especially during pregnancy, because folate and choline and all these things really do matter. And we do, we don't want to, I mean, neural two defects are a big factor. And and at least if we just look at the one nutrient folate, so there's other things that can be factor and you really do want to supplement well. And so Regenerzyme heart is a good, is a good one. Um, And then as well as you can also look at needed or seeking help. And one of the things I've noticed in my patient population is when people do take Regenerzyme heart, they tend to have full-term pregnancies. And I think it has to do with heart, the heart and adrenal tissue that's in there. Because when you're growing a baby inside you, like I said, you're giving a lot of ATP, a lot of energy, and the heart is the main source of energy in your body. So when you support what we call the queen bee, the heart, um, I find that you have more of a chance of, of a full term pregnancy, which is pretty cool. And, uh, there's no choline in regenerative heart. So so people always ask me that. And so what I say is, you know, if, if you can handle eggs, egg yolk has phenomenal amount of choline, but Lauren and I were talking that beef liver does as well. And beef liver capsules has become a very popular, uh, supplement of late and especially during pregnancy. And, and so that will be where I would say to get my, or, or get your choline. Now, here's a, the next question that people have when I say that is they're taking usually cod liver oil and there's vitamin A in cod liver oil. There's vitamin A in beef liver. And, and if they're taking a prenatal, then that would be. And it'll have vitamin A. Now, here's my, my uh, question to those people. One is, I find it highly unlikely with how toxic our environment is that your gallbladder can handle even absorbing that much vitamin A and you'll probably just (laughs) eliminate it. You know, like the gallbladder is the most missed organ in the history of medicine. I will take that to the bank. And so the amount of vitamin A that you truly need is much more than what you're going to get from, from those products. Uh, Like truly need to have vitamin A toxicity as they say, I have never seen it clinically ever, never, ever, ever, never seen it clinically. So I can, I'm only speaking from experience, not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I've treated a lot of people, uh, somewhere in the, let's see, I've been in practice almost 10 years, somewhere in the ballpark of, I don't even know, 10 to 15,000 patient visits or probably more than that. I would say probably somewhere between five and 10,000 patients over that, um, that time frame, maybe more. And I have never seen, I've treated a lot of pregnant pe- uh, females, pregnant okay. females. We're not, we're not getting we're into that women. whole, yeah, that um, whole chest feeding over here, folks. No, we're not doing any of that. 
So I, I tend to like, like to rotate things. I don't think anything daily every single day, not prenatal daily. Sure. But like, I, like if you're wanting to do some beef liver, I don't think you have to have it every single day. I think rotating things can be helpful. I think listening to your body and seeing how you feel, for instance, beef liver isn't for everybody. It does have a lot more histamine. You can try a freeze dried beef liver and that might be, um, that might be tolerated better because there's less of a histamine response there. But if you don't tolerate it and you feel worse on those days that you do take it, that might be why. And so um, listen to your body. Um, Typically they say like 10,000 units for vitamin A. I don't, I think there's, I think there's actually a great bigger, a a larger need for vitamin A than that even. And so like Dr. Charlie was saying, I don't, I'm not telling you to, to add it all together and to do everything every day, but I am saying Don't necessarily be so worried about vitamin A because vitamin A is super important for your immune system, for your eye health, for so much. And so it is something Your skin. How many people have skin skin. issues? A lot of times if you just, you fix your gallbladder and digest vitamin A fixes all your skin issues too. Yep. Um, Okay. So the other one before we move on that I will add into that is if um, you are not taking another prenatal on top of Regenerzyme Heart is I will add iodine. Because yeah. iodine is crucial for so much. It's another one that people have uh, villainized, so to they speak. They have. They have. Yeah. And um, it's for the baby's IQ. It charges your immune system. And it's crucial, crucial, crucial for immunity. If you're a person who, there's a clinical pearl for folks. If you are someone who has been to frequency testing, practitioners, muscle testers, and you go in, you have a parasite. Next time you go and you have a fungus, next time you go and you have a bacteria, next time you go and you have a virus, you keep flip-flopping these infections. A lot of times that's an iodine deficiency. So that's a, that's a good one. Another clinical pearl, I don't, I don't know what, I'm just coming up with clinical pearls tonight, yeah. is um, if you wake up and you have crusties in your eyes, that is an iodine deficiency as well. Yeah. So two two things that can tell you, maybe you need a little more iodine in your life. If you do have Hashimoto's, I would suggest closely following that with the provider it is you a lot of times they do people with Hashi do need more iodine but it Mm -hmm. can cause this a bigger reaction yeah and definitely um if you know you have Hashimoto's uh then if you're going to add iodine you want to work with a practitioner for sure you want to be able to monitor your antibodies because iodine will create more tpo antibodies however just because you have higher TPO antibodies does not mean that your Hashimoto's is getting worse. Right. And because it does not tell you what your T cells of your immune system, how aggressive they are. And those are what really will cause the tissue destruction of autoimmunity. Um, so I've had patients who have TPO antibodies of a hundred, you know, they need to be pretty much less than about 35. And some people see even less than 10, but I've had people who have a hundred who feel awful, and then you scan someone else who has them in the thousands and they have no symptoms. And so that's another thing to watch out for with uh, Hashimoto's. Yeah. And it'll simulate, I mean, people will watch the TSH when, when they give iodine, it's like, that's not even a marker for thyroid function, Correct. Um, but, and it will increase though with, um, with iodine. And so it's like, that's not a good marker to say whether it's causing any issues or not. Um, but if your regular conventional provider sees that, then they might not like it. So right. I would definitely be working with a provider on that 
Yeah. yeah someone who really understands it because you know yes. that the typical provider has no clue. Yes. This is um, true. Okay. I- I do have a couple more things to add. I have a yeah. couple book recommendations um, that I will put in the show notes. I really love Lily Nichols' Real Food for Pregnancy. Um, I think that's very helpful for women to um, to get that information. I also think she has some really great information about gestational diabetes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are two things that are the looking at that book. There's a couple other books I'll put in the show notes. And then as well, I have an iron syrup recipe that I put in my ebook from Aviva Rom, Dr. Aviva Rom, who is an MD, midwife, and herbalist. Cool. Um, I, I, I grabbed a few of her things to put in my ebook and of course gave credit because I do think she has a very, I mean, it's a very different experience. She's an MD and a midwife and an herbalist. And so I think that she's a great resource. She does have a pregnancy book out as well. I think it's pretty old, but I do think that can be helpful. So we'll put that all of that in the show notes as well. And going off of your ebook, there's another really important one that people ask a ton about in pregnancy that you cover, and that's group B strep. Yeah. So it's- let's talk a little bit about that. You know, and I, this is another thing where you're looking at the microbiome and like the health of the, of the pregnant woman. It's, it, it it's not necessarily, cause like you could have group B strep negative for three pregnancies and then your fourth, you have it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean like any one thing or, or another, I think it speaks more to immune system. Um, dysregulation, but things that you can do to be super proactive about it, like eat a lot of garlic, um, Mm-hmm. something that you're definitely going to want if you're, if you're sick and you're nauseous all pregnancy. Um, but garlic is super helpful as well as like vitamin C and reishi and things that really help to support that immune system. Um, and then there are like garlic capsules, there's uh, vaginal probiotics. Um, yeah. And so those things can be super helpful. I discussed that in my ebook as long as, as well as a few other things in there. Um, and then there are several protocols for group B strep that are from midwives that are helpful for group B strep. And I would suggest to retest because a lot of times they'll test you at like 36 weeks, 35 weeks. And a lot of times the body can clear it. And so I would ask for a retest. Now, if you're going to see a conventional OBGYN, they may say no. And that's just, unfortunately, one of those things that you're going to deal with, with a conventional OBGYN. And so I would press for a retest, um, and see if you still have it. Some midwives will, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll do different things to get rid of it. Um, and then some are okay with you, you know, choosing having it. Hmm? Yeah. I've, I've had midwives, uh, talk to say that, okay, so you have group B strep, not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't there a book on it? Yeah, Sarah Wickham, um, we'll link it in the show notes, is a good book. It's probably like, I don't know, 75 pages or so. And it goes over the research of group B strep and all that. And um, she does a vitamin K shot book as well. That's pretty good. Well, then she has some really good resources out there. And yeah. like the um, the podcast, Birthing Instincts, it's, uh, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. It's 
oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a midwife and then an OB, a conventional OBGYN that crossed the, over the line. And he's, they definitely are, um, they question the norms with pregnancy and all that stuff. And so that would actually be a really good podcast for people who like women who really, really want to dive into some of these deeper topics. Um, that would be a really helpful thing. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and so kind of piggybacking off of that, talking about herbs and stuff. I just made a, a list of some of the antimicrobial herbs that, you know, people always say, what's your pregnancy safe and all that type of stuff. And so I'm just going to list some of them for folks now. Uh, first one that I'll use for like viral infections. This one can also help, you know, group B strep, so to speak is olive leaf. I yeah. love olive leaf, olive leaf Supreme. Um, that's one of my favorites for so many, but it's great for parasites. It's a great antiviral. I've, it's you know, super anti-inflammatory. It helps lower blood pressure, right? We talked about that with preeclampsia. Um, so that's one that's really nice. Uh, Scutellaria Supreme, which is Chinese skullcap. Great TH1 promoter, helps kill off bacteria, viruses, fungus. Great for fungus and mold. Um, also helps you produce glutathione. Um, gets your lymphatic system flowing, regenerates nerves, calms the mind, has a little bit of melatonin in it. So it helps sleep. Just a really nice herb in general. And then one more that's a pretty broad spectrum. You can use it for literally any type of infection. Um, and if you struggle with eye health, it's a great one for eyes and nearsightedness specifically is called vital guard Supreme. It's also known as chrysanthemum. So look that one up, you know, that's a, a gentle one that can really help in just multiple situations. And then everyone's favorite is what do I take for parasites? And what I'll say is on top of olive leaf is Elysium Supreme, which yeah. is star anise or star anise, however you say that. And it obviously is the one that we, Lauren and I have talked about um, for influenza. It's great for the flu. Um, they use it for MRSA, uh, but it has been my go-to uh, anti-parasitic during pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. I think Elysium is something to have on hand in every house because of the flu, but yeah. definitely during pregnancy, um, just so that you're prepared and that you're aware, um, that there's things you can do, um, not yeah. just take a flu shot. Um, there's things that you yeah. can do to help support the body. Yeah. You can, uh, just, uh, keep the, uh, mercury and aluminum and just take the, uh, take the Elysium instead of getting injected with that stuff. Yeah. And I want to bring up, oh, we should have brought this up earlier with toxins, um, the Tylenol thing. Mm. So if you can avoid Tylenol during pregnancy, I would, I wouldn't stress if you took it one time. Uh, but I would stress that the, the, every single study is dose dependent. And so if you're taking it a lot regularly, I, I would really caution because it does deplete glutathione yep. and I mean, I know fevers during pregnancy, like that's my number one question. And when I post about fevers, like what about during pregnancy? So there's a lot of other ways that you can lower a fever. Homeopathic remedies are awesome. Uh, a warm, a lukewarm Epsom salt bath, things like that can be really helpful. Um, I, you know, a cool rag, even some diluted peppermint on the uh, back of your neck, things like that can be really helpful. And minerals, like we talked about, calcium is great yeah. for lowering fevers. Yes, yes, yes. Calcium lactate. Um, Here's clinical pearl for you. If Tylenol helps you, so if an NSAID helps you, it's a food issue. But Tylenol's on an NSAID. But it's, yeah, acetaminophen. If yeah. any of that stuff helps you. 
Yeah. It is a food issue. It works on the pathways of inflammation that are caused by your food choices. Yeah. That's so much of that is, I mean, yeah, so much of that yeah. is food. So keep a food journal. Like I was saying earlier, keep a food yes. journal. Be aware of your symptoms and maybe you'll notice that when things kind of increase. Um, Let's see. What else have we not the, talked about? The last thing that I wrote down was... As you go along in pregnancy, you start, you know, obviously gaining weight as the baby's getting bigger. Uh, it's important to get body work. You know, chiropractic is great. Uh, when um, I do this twice a month and I, I'm obviously never going to be pregnant, but my wife does it too. And she does get pregnant and uh, is acupuncture. Yeah. Acupuncture is phenomenal. Keeping that blood flow, that lymph flow moving. Uh, And then chiropractic Webster technique is a a specific chiropractic technique that helps with the round ligament. Um, And that can help if there's any like, uh, oh, here's a big one, breech babies. Yeah. You know, if if a baby's breech, there's a lot of different um, techniques and a lot of them are really good. Our midwife had some where, you know, you do, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but uh, it's like a swaddle or something. I don't remember what they called it, but, and you would do this like motion on the belly, but our second baby was breech. And, um, my wife did chiropractic and acupuncture three days in a row and flipped the baby in three days. Yeah. And, uh, bladder meridian for those of you who like acupuncture bladder 67 is the point that you rub bilaterally that can help breech baby. Um, so there's a lot that can be done with breach and uh, a lot of midwives actually will just deliver a breach baby. They, they think that it's, you know, yeah, you can totally get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's just a good point to say like anything they're trying to get you to do just to don't just automatically say yes. Yeah. Um, go home and, and research it. And that will get you in that line of thinking of when the baby comes, don't just automatically say yes. Just go home and research it. I'm not saying you to just look at my information or, or Dr. Charlie's information. No, go home and like really form that opinion for yourself. Look at the ingredients of things. Look at the risks and the benefits. Like for instance, for breech babies, they do like a full on hospital like procedure, and it causes a lot of pain and it can induce labor. Like it's just not. It doesn't have the best outcomes. Yeah. But there's things that you can do at home that are really helpful and usually work all the you know work. Or you just celebrate the breech, breech baby and have the breech baby and might just sure. a little bit more in the back uh, from what I've heard. Yeah. there. I so I remember that, you know, some people will do different pool exercises with breech baby. Yeah. And then uh-huh. what our midwife actually had us doing too was, um, I can't remember if it's the baby will reach towards cold or not, but it was like ice packs on one side of the belly. I can't remember which, what it was that the baby reaches towards cold um, or shies away from cold as what I think it was. And then shined a flashlight into the belly because the, the baby will start to reach for light too. Ah, that was kind of fascinating. So cool. I actually asked this on um, Instagram recently and uh, Moxie was mm-hmm. something um, that I was told and doing handstands in the pool is something. There else you I go. Told. Yeah. So I knew there was, there's definitely pool exercises. I was told that by like multiple people. So it's not just like a few, it was multiple. So I feel, I feel very strongly that I would give that a shot. (laughs) There you go. And for people who are um, doing home births, one thing that I would also highly suggest is going to a pelvic PT Mm -hmm. that is able to um, 
see what position gives you the least amount of pressure in the pelvis. So they can like strap um, electrodes to the body and then you can do like squatting in all these different positions and they'll tell you which is the best for your body, almost like a, the best delivery stance, which is kind of cool too. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that, uh, we did. And then we ended up, I just, you know, caught both my daughters in, in a tub underwater. So it was always the same position, but, um, that's something that we did too. Yeah. Um, you were talking about body work. I, of course would recommend CFT. They'll avoid certain areas. Fascia work is just super, super important and it's something that I will that's the hill I will die on because it has been so helpful for my family um and I've, I've learned so much about it I think that is a very important thing for um pre-pregnancy during pregnancy any type of body work obviously tell them if you're pregnant and then they'll avoid certain areas yeah my uh wife and my youngest daughter both still do CFT to this yeah. day yeah it is super all right important. I think we covered a ton of stuff. Is there anything else that you want to add before you do your favorite uh, sentence or two? Do we talk about restless leg, adrenals, yeah. and yeah, adrenal and minerals? And we talk about the pickleball. Yeah, yeah. Okay, or okay. Pickle, I yeah, think we covered ball. it all. Um, if not, we'll add it to the show notes. All right, guys, this is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. We hope that you speak with your healthcare provider. All right, folks. Hope you enjoy this one. We'll see you all in the next one. Yeah.